Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 6th, and today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 97, the very last paragraph that begins, for the type of alcoholic who is able, and we'll be reading through two paragraphs, ending with, we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And we will be commenting on both paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Janice M. For the 12 traditions, Diane G. And readers of the text this morning are Kim G., Katie F., and Martha Z. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, September 5, is 9052. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer, our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to read for us the 12 steps. Yes, thank you, Anita. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except 
when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs past. Thank you very much, Janice. And now I will ask uh, Diane G. to read for us the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> this is Diane G. from New Hampshire. So grateful to be here today. Uh, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, our loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are for trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA group ought, oh, excuse me, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I cast. Am I heard? Anita, we don't hear you. Anita, star one to unmute. Guess what? I know now you can hear me, correct? <laughs> oh, my. Thank you all. Yeah. 
uh, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book at the bottom of page 97, there's just one little sentence there for the type of alcoholic. And we will read for two paragraphs and we will comment on both of them. And I will ask Kim G to start us off. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Anita. For the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. It is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. That often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God's. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, I'm from, and I'm from South Jersey. Um, I, I love this. Um, it's not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God's. You know, and that kind of confused me when I first went through this because, you know, I was taught that step 12 was service. So what do you mean? I'm not supposed to put myself on the service plane. Because in the context of the fellowship, when I hear service, it's what Anita is doing. It's, it's leading a meeting. It's maybe being an intergroup rep. It's um, reading the steps and traditions. And that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is the idea that I am playing God. That's the hardest thing about sponsoring is I have to quit playing God. Because what is the goal? The goal is to have a relationship, to have a connection, to have access to a higher power, not to have a connection with me as a sponsor. What I'm trying to do is help them to get God-reliant, not sponsor-reliant. And I always think of this thing that happened to me when I was a teenager, when I think about this, these, these two lines. 
is I was in high school, got my driver's license a couple months later. I'm at a department store working, and I go out and I have a flat tire. And I call my father, and he comes, and I'm in this little gunny sack dress that's pouring rain out. And all my father does is he holds an umbrella above my head as I'm forced to change this tire. And I'm humiliated as people are coming out of work laughing at me changing a tire in this little gunny sack dress. And when we got home, I was so angry at him, and I'm screaming. And he very calmly said to me, Kim, my job as a father is to become unnecessary. And that is my job as a sponsor. My job is to become unnecessary. My, my job is to help them go through this process, which gets them the connection with a power greater than themselves, not with me. That goes against my nature. So it's not the matter of giving is in question, but when and how to give. Because I am aiding in their destruction if I am carrying the compulsive overreader instead of carrying the message. If I'm working harder than the sponsee, then the sponsee is not invested in, in, the, in, in their own recovery. You know, I often think, too, our founder, Bill, he gets this spiritual experience from, from Evie bringing him through the Oxford steps. Six months later, he's in Akron, Ohio. Him and Bob are doing a lot of 12-step work. And he gets, a, he gets a call or a telegram, I think, from Lois that, Ed, that Ebby drank again. And thank God that Bill had a connection with the power, and that's what Ebby taught him. And it wasn't that his connection with Ebby is why he kept sober. Because if that's what Ebby taught him, me and you and the 300 people on the line and the thousands of people that are going to listen to this recording later would not be here because AA would not exist. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. So who would like to comment? Just This is Bella G. Can I speak? Just a minute, please. I've got I've got Nessa R and Bella G. Sally. Sally. Janice B. Janice B. And did I hear a male voice? Okay, incorrect. Anyone else? Calling Paula D, correct? Correct. All right. Well, this isn't too bad. I'm always afraid of uh, so many people jumping in right away. This is great. Nessa, followed by Bella, followed by Sally A, Janice B, and Paula D. So we'll start off with you, Nessa. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Question uh, for you. My name is Nessa R, and I'm recovered in Toronto, Canada. I love um, the ending part of this paragraph, job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. And I would include here dependence upon circumstances because that was certainly my story, you know. I always thought when the stress passes, then I can start a diet. You know, if... If I had money, then I wouldn't be so nervous. I wouldn't have to overeat. Um, you know, it was always something else. I was always postponing my recovery, postponing my happiness. And the truth is, if I wait for my circumstances to change, then I will never be happy. And I, I want to be happy now. Um, there's um, uh, one of the stories in the in the back of the book, which I love, really uh, eloquently um, explains this point. Um, it's the story of uh, he lived only to drink, which is part of the, the stories 
dealing with the low bottom alcoholics. And on page uh, four fifty near the end of the story, he says, "Then I realized that I had to separate my sobriety from everything else that was going on in my life. No matter what happened or didn't happen, I couldn't drink." And you know, this this brings to mind for me what I believe is the most beautiful promise in this uh, book, which we're going to read probably in a few days, uh, on page 100, where it says, follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. So it doesn't matter that our life isn't perfect, that we're not getting everything that we want. We don't have all the money we, we think we need, that people are not doing what we want. People are disappointing us, letting us down, um, even betraying us. You know, it doesn't really matter. If we place dependence upon people and upon circumstances, you know, it will never come. But if we place dependence upon God, put down the food, work the steps, and continue working the steps, then this will happen. Everything will change, even if circumstances don't change. And that's been um, a promise that I've seen in my life. My life has changed dramatically, you know, like 180 degree change. But my circumstances are still the same. I still have no money and my husband still sometimes doesn't listen and my kids still bicker. Um, you know, but guess what? I am happy, joyous and free. Um, being aligned um, with God's will for me, and with that, I pass. Thank you very much. And good morning, Bella. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Anita, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. I like the reading today, and I want to talk about the beginning and the end of the second paragraph. It is not a matter of giving, and we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence of God. Yes, and this is a reminder for me as a sponsor and for me as a sponsee that, yes, there is no question that we need to do service. Yes, it's not a question that I can share my experience, strength, and hope. The question is, what, as a sponsor, how I look at my job. If I look at my job that I am a teacher and you are my student, I am a therapist and you are my patient, or I am a higher power that only me can help you to be recovered. So this is not a program, because if I am making myself as a higher power, and I don't give you the connection to God, that God is the higher power, this will not bring the recovery because this is not the program. I have to remember as a sponsor that I am not the higher power. I am here only a messenger. I am here to give over the message that there is a higher power, that I call him God. And also, as a sponsee, I have to remember that my sponsor is not a higher power, and she is human like me. And yes, she can do mistakes. And the way I forgive myself, I have to forgive her. And I remember the first time that I, I shared my step 10, so the person told me, Oh, Bella, 
you have to do also step 10? And then when I said, oh, no, so that person thought that I am a higher power. Yes, I am proud enough that, yes, me too, I can, I, I am doing step 10 because my job here, a messenger, I am a messenger of God, and I share my experience, strength, and hope. But no, the dependence has to come on God and not on myself. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you very much, Bellagy. And good morning, Sally A. Good morning, Anita. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. Okay, just wanted to check. Um, good morning, a vision for you. I'm Sally A. I'm from New York, and I'm in New York, and I'm really happy about that. And I love, love, love this paragraph. It was a very root paragraph for my own healing and getting well because being dependent on everything and everyone was a very big feature of my illness. I depended on my children to take care of me my old age when I was in my 30s. Um, I was depending on my father to take care of me when I was having a baby, uh, my first child. I'll never forget when I was so sure that being in my dad's hospital that I would get special treatment, and it was a horrible birth. And I finally, with the lights off and me in hard labor and them telling me you're not even in labor yet, cried out to God and said, help me, I'm probably going to be the first woman to die in the 20th century in labor. And suddenly something shifted, and I was having this baby in about five minutes she was born. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. And I know that God was teaching me, you cannot depend on your father, you cannot depend on your parents, you cannot depend on people, you can't depend on things, you need to learn to depend on me. But it took me all these many years in this program to finally reach this paragraph and to read with my own eyes these words. So simply do not stop, we do, simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And this is the important thing that I've learned in these years of recovery that I hope you hear me right now when I tell you that God, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to speak. I'm on grandma duty. I'm, well, the most important thing I've learned is that, oh, goodness, it just flew out. Give me one second, it'll slide right back in. The most important thing I've learned is that God wants me to be recovered more than I want me to be recovered. That God has my recovery in his hands and that God is working on my behalf to help me to be and stay recovered. And I just need to keep my hand in God's hand. I hope you'll think about that. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much, Sally. Enjoy your day. Um, Janice B., you're up. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Grateful to be here and grateful to be sharing. Thank you, God. So it is not a matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. So we, we've learned that... Um, Selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of our problem. And what is the antidote for that is other-centeredness. So um, when I came into um, 
program, I, I wanted to make, and I did, make my sponsor my God. Um, I thought she knew everything, and um, and I was told that I knew nothing. And, um, and I placed my trust in my sponsor. And... Um, that didn't work for me. Um, I didn't get the message that um, I needed to place my trust in a higher power and that, that my higher power was inside of me. And, um, and to go inside to, to find that higher power. And so um, now... Um, well, when I started sponsoring, I I tried to, I wanted to do a good job. <laughs> I wanted to do a good job, and, and I started sponsoring the way I had been sponsored. And um, I thought that, you know, I was trying to control and manage until I got a sponsor that helped me see that um, that put the focus on developing a relationship with my higher power, and and so um, I am so grateful for for that. Keep pointing me back, always pointing me back to 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 going inside and and asking praying and meditating and and um and becoming reliant on not not my my ego but on the relationship on the higher power that I was getting to know and um and so now when I sponsor I I I I pray that I that I can do the same thing that um, that I can teach my sponsees to go inside and with that I pass. Thank you very much. And good morning, Paula D. You're up. And thank you, Anita. This would be Paula D. Recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, as we look at this these um, lines here, words, the words that take form in life and a, a way to live. You know, it's a, not a matter of giving that's in question. Well, no. We know that we have to. We know that giving is, is part of living. And without the, the, the giving, uh, living isn't the same. It isn't the same. We're walking. We're existing. But look at what happens here. But when and how to give. You know, we're to carry the message. We're not to carry the person. Just the message. Deliver it deliver it well. That's why we live in the steps. And we come here, the spiritual life, the spiritual life. And here it goes on. That's what happens. It goes on. You carry the message, you deliver it. To rely, and they said the minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to reply on our assistance rather than upon God. Well, how would I know that? Because that's exactly what I did. Every word. Every word my sponsor said, 
And then she was very, very clear. Oh, Paula, I'm only a pointer. I'm only a pointer. And that's what she did. She pointed to and continued to. But I need more time. This is the time that I can give you. But I need life to change. And if it doesn't, all of a sudden the questions, but look at this, when it ends here. And you know, we must look at that word dependent. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. It's all right. Hard knock. I'm all right with that. For where it brought me. Job or no job, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking. That was it. Did I want to finally? Could I answer it? I want to stop. So long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Oh, now, see, you can depend on other people. I do depend on other people. But wait, it's the order. Look at the order ahead of dependence on God. What is dependence? To trust, to reply solely on. I can rest in that. You see the relief that's given there? Once that happened, something changed. I lived a life. I lived a life. A life of giving. But you know, I want to end with that page on 89, which I absolutely love. The last, and I'm turning to it, even though I know it by heart, because there is in the reading. To be helpful is our only aim. I'm only to be helpful. I had to even learn what that word meant. It had boundaries. And I am coming speaking of boundaries to the end of my time. And I thank you for this opportunity to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you very much, Paula D. We'll open it up again. We started on the bottom of page 97. And this is Duel. Melissa C. Reva P. Hello, this is Raquel calling from Massachusetts this time. Oh. <laughs> Hear me? <laughs> this time, 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, good, good that you got up. Anyone else? Deb W. Deb W. So, Duel, Melissa C., Reva, uh, Raquel, coming, calling from Massachusetts, and Deb W. All right, let's go with with these five ladies. Good morning, Du. Good morning, Anita. So good to <laughs> finally put the names to face. Amen. Good morning. Yes. This is Duel, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, what a beautiful paragraph. Um, you know, we learned before that alcohol, uh, alcoholics or compulsive overeaters are undisciplined. And so we let God discipline us in the simple way we just outlined. And what is that? It's not a matter of giving us in questions when and how, when and how. And, you know, and it's like it says, you know, that as soon as we put our service plain, you know, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than on God. And that's, that's the difference between failure and success. Are we relying on totally on God or are we relying on our self-will, our self-reliance, our self-dependence, you know, um, or trying to uh, have strings attached, right? 
because um, I, I, I love when people say, well, it's God's will and God will provide and God will do this for me and God will do that for me. And in reality, it's your self-will running riot, you know, trying to get an outcome out of someone and then blaming God or attributing to God, you know, as being, you know, the caretaker of their situation. And, you know, and, and that's when it says we need to know how and when, right? We need to know that is it, is it with a selfish motive or is it with an unselfish motive that I'm trying to do something, I'm trying to give to others, or I'm trying to receive something from others, right? So it says here, you know, that's the hard knocks that we get into, that when we start relying too much on people, people will always fail us, but God will not fail us. And this weekend, it was really, really hard for me because I had to set some really strong boundaries with some people. Um, and it was, it, it, was, it, was, it was crushing. It was crushing for my soul, for, for me to set those boundaries with them because, you know, I just, I just was like, oh, my God, like, you know, I want to give to them. I want to be receptive, but because of their lack of planning and because of, you know, how they were trying to do things, it, it just wasn't the right fit, you know. So I had to turn them away and say, you know, I can't give you right now. I can't give you this that you're asking of me because it's inappropriate. Um, it, it involves a dominoes effect. It's going to affect other people and, and how they're traveling, how they're staying here. And I said, and I had to say no, you know. And then yet in another situation where, you know, someone asked me for a ride, um, I, I, again, it was another situation where I was like, do I give this person or do I not give this person? Because other people are involved. They've already paid their way to travel, you know, in the car. And, you know, and what do I do? Well, I brought it up to group conscience. And, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I, I brought it up to group conscience. They took a group conscience. They said, okay, we'll allow this person to go in the car, you know, with us. And so, you know, again, when you bring God into the matter, everything works out. When you leave God out, everything falls apart. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Joelle. Good morning, Melissa C. You're up. Hi. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it helps me to, to keep in mind that, um, you know, lack of power is my dilemma. And, um, and so, you know, as a person who was looking to get recovery, was looking to get recovered, I needed to find a power, you know, that could help me. And now, as a person who is recovered, um, it's my responsibility to assist a person in helping them find a power that can help them. And certainly, I'm not it, because I couldn't even help myself. You know, and um, and any time that I get um, overly invested in someone else's recovery, not not meaning that I don't care because I care deeply, but if someone else's recovery starts to matter to me more than it appears that it matters to them, I'm looking to um, get control of this thing again. I mean, that's what it always comes down to me that. My thought that I'm going to save somebody um, is my ego, thinking that I have control over this disease. And, you know, I only need to look at the evidence of my life to know that that's a lie, you know. Um, 
And the other thing that jumps out at me is how indispensable willingness is. You know, if I waited till everything in my life was perfect before I finally surrendered and worked this program like my life depended on it, I'd still be waiting. You know, the truth is we can't wait until everything, until we have the job we like, until we have the family that we like, until our finances are in order, until I have that extra time to recovery. Also, in my life, um, because this disease was making it a mess. And so, of course, you can't wait until everything is perfect to to work on your recovery. Um, you know, if everything were perfect, we'd need no recovery, you know. And so when I work with people, um, very often the excuses of life start um, jumping in. You know, their job is too stressful right now. They have too much family visiting or, you know, they're, they're working on a project for work and they, they can't work on this. Um, this has to come first. This is, you know, complete willingness. Can't wait for things to be just right before we take hold of our recovery. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And good morning, Reva. Did you call me? Yes, I did. Good morning. Oh, sorry, Reva. I was unmuting. Good morning. It's Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, these paragraphs. Um, have me think of two things. First of all, for me, I still tend to want the easier, softer way. I still tend to want um, people to do things for me instead of having to take responsibility. So I see these two things as going hand in hand. I want people to overgive to me so that I don't have to do for myself. and I tend to overgive and do, especially uh, have a tendency with my children, um, as opposed to them learning to do for themselves. So what this is telling me is that it's not going to work. It's very simple. Um, the easier, softer way does not work. Um, the only thing that works is putting my dependence on the one power, which is my higher power, for myself, and the same goes for others. And I love, love this part because at the end of the second paragraph, I really thought that if I had a different job or a different boss or a different husband or different circumstances, um, and in the beginning with the weight, if I just got the food under control, then life would be okay. And this program has taught me that it is 180 degrees, totally the opposite. It's about working on the insides um, and not the externals of my life. And I've shared before, I've sometimes gotten what I wanted on the outside, and I was still a mess, and the food was still crazy. So um, this is all about you know, working on the physical allergy, yes, but the thinking, the internal state of my psychic condition and getting that change. And then no matter what happens, um, whether it's calamity or positive things, um, I'm in a much better place. Um, And I too have seen people say, you know, my job's too busy, my dog died, Um, it's a hard time for me, I can't really do the step work. Um, And postponing step work um, just creates more misery because that's what working the steps is for, 
to deal with the dog that died or the busy work. And um, things tend to not be as crazy and busy um, when I do the work. With that, I pass. Thank you, uh, Reva. And now, uh, Raquel, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. I, uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes. I, I don't know exactly how to hold this phone. The speaker is in the back. In the, wow, I'm so excited to talk to you guys at your time, not in the middle of the day. I used to cut my day in half and run home like some God knows what kind of lover is waiting for me there. I can Not that I was able to sleep or wake up. Uh, I just arrived last night to my daughters uh, in uh, Massachusetts. Um, in, uh, and, and I'm so excited to meet the family and all, and that God was so good to me and enabled me to make this trip that I was so afraid of, and I want to see my family. But to be with you all, you're my community, and you are also my family. This wonderful paragraph and, and what will continue there burned the idea into the conscience of every man and woman. I had dependence on God, how incredible it is. But uh, speaking of, because this is working with others, of sponsoring, it's a very delicate issue of how much to help and how much to, um, to decease from helping and leave it to God. And it's not as was not as clear cut and dry for me. It still isn't really. I have to ask God all the time about the kind of help that sponsors want from me. That if a sponsor wants and uh, just or I even like better to call a friend from program wants just to whine and gripe and so on and to listen hours for that uh, instead of of really pointing like it's like we're saying to pointing her to God and to really letting go but even more than that I had one person who came to me that really doesn't know how to cook she doesn't know how to cook right food and she has Crohn's disease and she cannot do what most of us do to eat a whole big bowl of salad and I had to go into her kitchen and teach her how to make a nice vegetable soup I had to just roll my sleeves up and go in there and wonderful things have happened since then. And she's really doing a great job, with, not with me anymore, but with other people. But that first step had to be done. So it's not that cut and dry. And I think that's why I'll try to say it very briefly. For me, my abstinence came to me through NA, uh, through a year and a half, with, uh, very intensively with NA. And they, I, I, I just couldn't. Tell them what they're doing. They divide that higher power into there's, there's a higher power and there's a greater power. And the sponsor at the beginning for them, and for me it was a greater power that you really consult on everything. So this the sponsor, this newcomer comes in and he's coming in from a treatment center and he's on heavy medication, on Thorazine. He doesn't know what's flying and what's swimming. And the sponsor has to tell him which shoe to put on first, you know, and which job to take and which one to help him. Yes. So, um, yes, the sponsor is a greater power than himself for a long time until he takes his hand and puts it in the hand of God when he's a little bit more sober. But um, it's a delicate issue. I love you all. Thank you. Wonderful, abstinent, and recurring day to all. 
Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, Deb W. It's your turn. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. And this, uh, on page 98, it starts with, it is not uh, in the next uh, paragraph. It's probably one of my many, many uh, most moving uh, paragraphs that have affected me uh, since I've been uh, back into the hands of God and into the hands of uh, clean food. And it says uh, here, uh, the minute we put our work on service plane, meaning um, that uh, I'm I'm there to serve you, I'm there to serve the sponsee. I circled uh, the alcoholic relies upon our assistance rather than God. Um, and, you know, the many years and the many times now that I'm tempted to hunt out because of the uncomfortable feeling, somebody's opinion, you know, I just want the answer. I'm hungry for the answer. Um, and, you know, I have found that the answer is not in my calamity and in my you know, when the, the clamors of this world are up and, 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 and sounding off, it's when the peace and the quiet comes in. There's an idea that I have to have this person or this thing to be able to get well. And I love that one word, nonsense, because it's not true. It's not what I want to hear, but it's not true. Um, one of the best things my sponsor gave me this go-round was that the dependence is upon God or your higher power. If I don't get that, I, I, I can keep hitting my head and hitting my head and coming back and wondering why the program doesn't work and wondering why I don't get this. But as a sponsor, there is some time during the work that we got to get that point over. I'm here, and God knows I want to help, and God knows I have to help because I'm learning more than you are while we are working together. But I have to get this, you know, power, the, the, the room, and not get your attention so great like I have an answer, and I don't. I'm dependent on God to come into our union and give you as he's giving me, you know. And I have a sponsor that's so great. Somehow, and I, I pray to have this gift, somehow she comes down alongside me. And when I finish the conversations with her, I cannot remember her ever telling me what to do, you know. And that that is a gift. You know, dependence is on God. Dependence is on God. Dependence is on God. No matter whether the sponsor gets sick, no matter whether I can't find one, no matter what, I have to put get reconnected in the right order of things. And the order is that I am finding and depending on a power greater than me. That burn the idea into the consciousness of every man. Mm. We can get well, thank you. We can get well regardless, regardless. It's the condition that we trust in a power, and, and then we clean house. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deb W. Uh, time for maybe three more, three or four. This is Katie G. from Boston. Katie, anyone else? 
You go ahead, Leah M. Leah. Sarah W. Sarah. All right. Let's I say I think if we're lucky we're gonna get all three of you. Katie, go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. All right. Let me just get my timer. Thank you. This is Katie G recovered from both of a reader anorexic and bulimic. Calling in from Boston and um so blessed to hear all your beautiful shares this morning and um I guess what I've been thinking about the whole meeting is um the first lie that I ever really heard my sponsor teach me is the lie that if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. And I frequently joke that the first time I went through the work, um, if you were blonde or you had big boobs or a husband or kids, um, you were on my resentment list because I fundamentally believed that that stuff was going to remove my food addiction, that that stuff was going to make me feel so good that I wouldn't feel the way I feel. And what my sponsor taught me, turnaround after turnaround after turnaround after turnaround, is no one gets a free ride. No one gets a free ride. We may look at someone and they may seem absolutely perfect with their life and their house and their boobs and their husband and their whatever. But guys, no one gets a free ride. I'm sitting there yesterday next to Hubsby, right? It's it's Sunday afternoon or whatever day it is, and I'm feeling that sadness. And I'm going to tell you what, 12 years ago when I was in relapse, trying to come into these rooms, single as, you know, whatever, no job, a house, thank God, and that was it. I believed that if he was in my life, I wouldn't feel that way. And yes, today, I don't operate feeling that way. And when I felt that way yesterday, I took a deep breath and I was like, oh, yeah. So this is my fundamental human addict condition that I believe that if you come into my life, I can shove you so deep into my belly button that I'm going to feel better. But guess what, guys? Nobody likes to be shoved into each other's belly buttons. And so these steps, right, putting the food down 100% entire abstinence has allowed me the privilege of continually, ongoingly working the steps and seeing how deeper levels of things make me believe that these things are going to make me happy and God keeps redirecting me. Hey, KDG, the husband and the job and the dog and the this and the that, that can all go. And guess what, guys? I have a God and he's right there with me no matter what. I have a place to go, 7 a.m., a place I belong, Overeaters Anonymous, a place I can be of service to all of you and with you, and it's just such a privilege, and I'm going to keep doing it one day at a time because it is not, um, it is the reason I'm alive without it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kim G. And you're up, Leah. Good morning. Thanks so much, Anita. Uh, He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Um, You know, I had to learn in the recovery process that my recovery and the work entailed and the energy expended had to come before everything else. It had to come before any material wishes that I had. It had to come before actually a marriage, before my uh, desires to, for family, 
it had to be first. That development of a relationship uh, with God through the working of the steps. You know, <laughs> there's a saying, God comes in through the wound. You know, I came very wounded here. I did not have a relationship with God. Um, you know, that was not something that I had. I had not developed spiritually. And so with the help of a sponsor and with the help of this work, um, guiding me uh, to that relationship. And, yes, it was a balance of, um, you know, giving me direction, you know, because we come still inexperienced and uh, I didn't have that conscious contact with God. So I was not going to be inspired at all times to uh, think in alignment with a higher power, to speak in alignment with a higher power, to behave in alignment, to make decisions in alignment. I was in, I was new. I was in the early infancy and vulnerable stages of recovery. Um, so I did need a mentor, a guide, uh, someone who had, uh, you know, trudged the road ahead of me. Um, but through the work, you know, it became clear that my basic flaw had always been been dependency, dependency, almost absolute dependency on security, on a sense of well-being, on people or circumstances to supply me with that security uh, that I so desperately wanted. And of course, failing to get those things according to my dreams and my specifications, I always ended up in worst case scenarios. Um, the work led me to that relationship with God and of course continues to help me strengthen that relationship uh, because I couldn't, couldn't possibly do that and have that so long as I was victimized by false dependencies. So it was the work that led me uh, to this relationship and it was, you know, it was grace. It was grace and willingness combined together. Yes, I had to exert every ounce of will, our own personal will and action to cut off those faulty emotional dependencies upon people, including a sponsor. Um, that doesn't mean I don't utilize one. It just means that the dependency, the, the inner strength has to be tapped in from that uh, well um, of spirituality. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Sarah, we have time for about a minute and a half to two. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you for your service, Anita J. I'll just uh, share quickly. Um, the thought comes to mind, uh, and I'm Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, uh, that um, we all have clay feet. And um, if we put our problems on the side and start working the steps, that we will get the results that we need and probably we won't even know that problems existed by the time we're done with them. That's been my experience. And, um, you know, the whole idea of not being relying on somebody to fix us or to um, be dependent on is because we are all fallible. Uh, and that um, a healthy sponsor will direct you to your higher power. And at the same time, there are people that walk in that don't even know uh, what the next thing to do is. So there is nothing wrong with helping people uh, find their way, like, you know, people that are overwhelmed, what should I do next? And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, you might want to just, you know, wash your face and take a shower. I mean, this is how we, you know, we get well. It's not that we control other people, but we discern with our higher power. I'm very grateful for the program, and with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you very much. A very nice way to end the hour. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. But we'll, right now we'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will KDF please read a vision for, uh, for you this morning? Thank you. Thank you, Anita. This is KDF, a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.